Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Avoid the foul. He had gone with two hands, man. He might have got away with it. Foul on the drive and kick. Leonard for three. Got it. One point game. Phoenix just five of 18 from beyond the arc tonight. Durant gets it. Raising up for three. They're 12 seconds away from facing that deficit. Sabonis rocks the rim! Left-hander Andrew Chafe in his eighth appearance. He gets the ninth inning. You see that ERA. He's yet to give anything up. Andrew Chafin gets the strikeout. Diamondbacks get the win. They've taken the opener here in St. Louis. Third save for Chafin. Second and goal. A juggle of the snap. Hurts found it, and there's the end zone ahead for another Philadelphia touchdown. What a machine. What a machine this Eagles offense is. He's looking the other way, however. Now buys himself some time. He's going to head to the sticks himself and trot in. Touchdown, Bryce Young. This is the mark that you would bring back the unit that you want to finish this game with. Brown, step back three. He's good. Shot clock at seven. Brunson over Jared Allen. Drills the three. Jalen Brunson with 23 points in his first playoff game as a Nick. The question is, do they double team? They haven't double teamed Embiid the last few possessions. You might want to trap them. Here's Maxi corner three. Got it. <laughs> and that was all Embiid. The one-two, and that pitch at the top of the zone for a call third strike. A bit of a delayed strike call there from Bruce Dreckman, but the fastball gets Perez, and Jacob DeGrom earns his fifth strikeout of the evening. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Tuesday, April 18th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's sports zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Suns Clippers, who you got tonight? ATS in game two. The Warriors, will the defending champions rally from down 0-2? Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks is Andrew Chafin, closer material. He's a closer for now. Uh, the Eagles, did they extend Jalen Hurts' contract too soon? The NFL draft, should Bryce Young be the man? Meanwhile, back to the NBA, who you got tonight in the East, and who, and also will the uh, Sixers sweep the Nets that went up 2-0 last night in that series? On the Diamond, what stood out on Monday, and what else caught your eye since our last show? Here is today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15 or so, we'll go around Major League Baseball with Matt Schneider of CBSSports.com. 
We'll start start that conversation with a lot of uh, National League West discussion. There's only one team in the National League West above 500, and that is the first place Arizona Diamondbacks. 9:30 interactive action at 602-260-1060, and also some local roundup that include. A Suns and Clippers preview, including some things that the uh, Suns need to do better tonight, which would be pretty much anything and everything as opposed to game one. And also we'll have uh, some Diamondbacks observations from the Monday night victory at St. Louis. And in the final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup. That'll be topped by a little bit from the scoreboard and uh, some bottom line for some NFL, excuse me, uh, NBA and also some bottom line time pending for Major League Baseball for today. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, who you got ATS and the Suns Clippers game two? The Suns minus seven and a half or the Clippers plus seven and a half. And Corey is here and has the early returns. Leading right now, Clippers plus seven and a half, 60% of the vote. Suns minus seven and a half at 40% on KDUS1060.com. The Suns are already in borderline desperation mode after being outshot out-hustled, and out-coached in Sunday's 115-110 Game 1 loss to the Clippers. In addition to the poll question, what is one thing, there's more than one, but what is one thing the Suns must improve upon in Game 2 tonight? Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, will the defending champion Warriors rally down from 0-2 to eliminate the Sacramento Kings? And once again, Corey has early returns. Right now, they're both tied 50-50, yes and no, on KDUSAM 1060 on Twitter. The Kings have held serve with wins in the first two games at Sacramento. This is the first time the Warriors are down 0-2 in any playoff series since 2007. Obviously, Steph Curry, uh, you know, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Steve Kerr, they were not part of the Warriors in 2007. Meanwhile, back on the local front, the Diamondbacks won the opener of a three-game series at Reeling St. Louis. Last night, it was Merrill Kelly, the winning pitcher, for the first time this season, the winning pitcher. And Andrew Chafin collected his third save. So, is Andrew Chafin the closure the Diamondbacks have been missing in recent years? Spaying the globe, Jalen Hurts is the new highest annually paid player in the NFL. The Eagles and Hurts agreed to a contract uh, worth uh, $51 million in each of the next six seasons with a no-trade clause. He got the no-trade clause also. Did the Eagles act too quickly signing Jalen Hurts for the next six seasons? Bryce Young will apparently be the Panthers' first pick when the NFL draft begins in nine days. ESPN's Chris Mortensen, ESPN's Adam Schefter, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport have all reported that uh, Young is number one, which uh, seemed to be validated at least in the betting markets on Monday when Young basically uh, canceled all his uh, remaining visits and now the betting markets have him as the number one pick in the draft. So should Bryce Young be the first pick of next week's NFL draft? I know I can hear you out there saying, Bob, you asked this question last week. 
Well, I got news for you. We're probably going to ask that question in the next week as we get closer to the draft. Meanwhile, back to the NBA playoffs. Boston and New York look to go up 2-0 tonight against Atlanta and Cleveland, respectively. So who you got tonight? Boston laying 10 against Atlanta. Or uh, Cleveland, minus 5.5 against New York in uh, Game 2. The Knicks might have some injury issues. We'll get to that in the National Roundup to conclude today's show. By the way, last night, the Sixers went up 2-0. Quite frankly, a very poorly played win on both sides of the ball against the Nets, the Nets who were just completely outmatched in this series. So, will the Sixers sweep the Nets? Jacob DeGrom, Jacob DeGrom, he tried to say, unsuccessfully, I got it right the second time. Let's go for two out of three. Jacob DeGrom, all right, two out of three. He was perfect last night over four innings. But unfortunately, the oft-injured DeCrom came out at that point because of right, uh, right wrist soreness, which is kind of an unusual pitcher, uh, injury for a pitcher. Maybe it shouldn't be, but it seems like it is. So what stood out to you from Monday night's MLB slate? He wasn't the only ace to leave. We'll get more into that in the next segment with Matt Schneider from CBSSports.com. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that is the uh, pipeline for today. We will get to all those tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational one-hour radio extravaganza. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you uh, violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. Down to be followed by... Followed by around Major League Baseball, Matt Schneider from CBSSports.com will join us. Uh, my plan is to start that conversation with some NL West discussion involving, uh, we'll start with the first place Diamondbacks and uh, filter on through. May not talk too much about the Giants and the Rockies, but in between, uh, plenty of things to discuss regarding the Dodgers and the Padres. So those will be some of the discussions with Matt. We'll get his thoughts about the pitch clock and the new rules in baseball. You know, we're almost three weeks into the season. So I think at this point, we pretty much know everything. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. SAM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. And welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2. Yeah, 100.7. You're home with the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. 
The Diamondbacks are the lone team in the National League West with a winning record above 500. How about that? Out to the KDUS hotline we go and to go around Major League Baseball. We're now joined the sports zone by Matt Schneider of CBSSports.com. Matt, always good to have you on the show. Diamondbacks 10-7. and 7. They've already played eight of their 13 games against the Dodgers. Uh, your guy, Zach Gallen, the NL Pitcher of the Week last week. Uh, what or who else has stood out almost three weeks into the season regarding the Diamondbacks? I mean, I, as a whole, I, I love the running. I just uh, I was actually on a Padres station yesterday with Tony Gwynn Jr. Talking, he was talking about how it was just a track meet anytime the Diamondbacks got guys on base. And Corbin Carroll hitting in the five-hole, for example, when was the last time we actually saw a fifth hitter run regularly in any lineup? 30 years? It's been forever. So I, I, I feel like, generally speaking, I just love the track meet. But obviously, if you're going to talk about, like, individually who's gotten out to a big start, I mean, plugging in Josh Rojas like that, that's a big, big deal. And I, I can't really say Gallon because I've been on him for years. But you know what? Merrill Kelly? Kind of getting the job done right now. Not like the prettiest way, but he's gutting through the outing. Yes, he is. And, uh, you know, he's a pitch to contact guy to some extent. And, uh, yeah. yeah, their defense is, their defense has been pretty darn good so far. That's, I think, the biggest improvement. They've had some pretty shabby defense around here for a couple of years. I think that's gotten much better. Yeah. And it's good timing for all this because between the bigger bases, the pitch clock, the shift limits. Mm-hmm. Focusing more on defense and base running is kind of a big deal right now. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, I mentioned that the Diamondbacks have already played eight games against the Dodgers. Maybe they want to play the Dodgers more. <laughs> Los Angeles is eight and nine thus far. You know, they've had some slow starts before. Is the yeah. average start for the Dodgers reason for concern or no big deal? What do you think about the Dodgers at this point? I see. I, I, I'm not. Yeah, we can we can bring up like 2018 when they started 16 and 26 and ended up in the World Series. But personnel wise, right now, I don't know, man. It doesn't seem quite as daunting as some of the the recent iterations of the Dodgers. After they they've let so many guys walk, and, and they've always been good at plugging guys in. Or even like when there was an injury, like Adrian Gonzalez got hurt and they plugged in Cody Bellinger. Or they let Corey Seager walk because they had Trey Turner and they played Turner at sport. But there's been so much kind of drip that it might have gotten too much because after letting Trey Turner walk, Justin Turner, who was one of their guys who was kind of their identity uh, through mm-hmm. all those years of making the playoffs, Kenley Jansen was another one of those guys. He's also gone. Uh, they're just not as deep. I mean, Muncy's going nuts right now. Freeman's having a good year. Mookie's fine. Now that Will Smith hurt, they've got J.D. Martinez hitting in the top four. He's not even close to what he what he used to be. And then the bottom half of that lineup isn't scaring anybody. And until Walker Bueller comes back from his Tommy John surgery, you're talking about Dustin May, who hardly strikes anybody out anymore, 35-year-old Clayton Kershaw, whatever's left of Guard right now, and then Urias. It's uh, not that impressive of a team given what we're used to with the Dodgers. You mentioned Cody Bellinger. Yeah, he's off to a nice start. You know, hit a home run against the Dodgers in Dodgers Stadium over the weekend. Are, are they maybe kind of thinking, hey, what did we not do with Bellinger? Maybe the Cubs have figured out. 
It's the weirdest thing. He went five for five last night. Now, I know it was against the A's, yeah. and they're basically a double-A team at this point. But, yeah, that was the first five-hit game of his career. It broke his previous career high of a four-for-four four game, which he did when he won MVP. He's only 27 years old. I don't know. Sometimes it just seems like a divorce is needed in baseball. And it, it, the, the weird part is, when was the last time we've thought, oh, he just needed to get away from the Dodgers to get fixed? Usually guys go to the Dodgers and get fixed. <laughs> guys like Chris Taylor and Max Muncy resurrected their careers or built their careers out of what was nothing. Uh, it, it's weird to see, but he seems like he's really starting to get back there. The main things to watch, a lot more selective with his pitches, not striking out nearly as much. So it's not just, hey, he's hit a few home runs or he's, he's on a surge with batting average right now. He's having good at bats. He's not swinging at bad pitches. He is swinging hard at the pitches right through the middle of the zone. Looks kind of like his old self. And uh, I tell you what, that's kind of what the Cubs were missing. I thought they were kind of half measures in the offseason, and it looks like they're just missing that superstar type in the middle of the order. Well, if Bellinger plays like MVP Bellinger, he is that superstar type in the middle of the order. When they already have a good leadoff man in Nico Horner, a good two-hole in Dansby Swanson, it looks like Wisdom is a good maybe five or six. He's going to hit for a low average, but a lot of home runs. It's an interesting team. They are, and we haven't been able to say that about the Cubs for a while, so that that's, yeah. that's good for baseball if we can say that about the Cubs. All right, the Diamondbacks, you mentioned the Padres. The Diamondbacks begin a four-game home series against the Padres on Thursday. And the Padres really, other than like the three games in Atlanta a couple of weekends yeah. ago, they've been pretty average. So what's up with San Diego? And do we start wondering about Juan Soto? I can't Juan believe Soto. I'm asking this. He's hitting 164. Yeah. yeah, and he wasn't very good last year. Well, I can tell you, as I mentioned earlier, I was on the San Diego radio station yesterday. They said that their calls basically all day, every day, is people are terrified that Soto's broken. <laughs> so, wow. I, I mean, it's, I'm sure that we could find 18-game stretches in his career where he had a down stretch, but... I also saw a stat where this is the worst 18-game stretch in his career in terms of average and OPS. So it's kind of uncharted mm. territory there. Um, it is worrisome. I, I, I you'd hate to say, oh, well, come on. He, he was one of the best hitters in baseball history through age 22. Legitimately, almost any stat you look at, he's up there with guys like Ted Williams and Mickey Mantle in terms yeah. of how good they were before age 22. Uh, into like Tony Canigliaro if we want to pull out a little deeper cut there. Ooh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, being that he's only 24, they do get Fernando Tatis Jr. back. Manny Machado hasn't really hit yet. Kind of feel like I want to give him a lot more rope right now. Um, and it's bad timing for the Diamondbacks that it just happens to be when Tatis comes back. Right. Because all of a sudden <laughs> the complexion of that lineup changes. What he was doing – to triple A pitching was almost worthy of another suspension, really. It was he hit five fifty six with seven bombs in twelve games. Just ridiculous. So I think he's a main on a mission right now and as well as Bogarts has adjusted, it looks like. They could be dangerous here coming up soon. It it but they I mean, overall they've been bad so far, other than winning those three games in Atlanta, which if you look at the rest of their schedule you want to say, Well where did that come from? 
Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, the Giants and Rockies, I want to at least mention them here. They're combined 10 and 22. I know it's early sample size, early season sample size. Yeah. But is there any really reason to think that either the Giants or Rockies are going to be on either, anything other than like fourth and fifth in the division? No, no reason at all. I, I would say that the Rockies are going to be one of the worst teams in baseball. I mean, they just got embarrassed at home by the Pirates last night. And I know the Pirates are out to a 10 and 7 star, but they're not that good. Um, and the Giants, like, one of the only reasons I thought maybe they would be mediocre is because I, there might be some of that 107-win team residue in my head from two years ago. And last year they were 81-81, and 81, even if really uninspired. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the personnel there, ah, I'm just not seeing it. They're just not very good. They haven't been playing well. They're not – They're yeah, I mean, they're fourth place with one of the worst teams in baseball behind them in fifth. Matt Schneider, CBSSports.com, curling in the sports zone. Okay, wrote about the Braves to start your power rankings column this week. The Braves, it's a little scary. They're getting healthier uh, with Max yeah. Freed coming back last night. Kyle Wright's already off the injured list. Are they a threat to run away in the Amer- in the uh, excuse me, the National League East at this point? Maybe, maybe. Because, well, if you look at, like, last year, they weren't even over 500 until June. Where they needed that 13-game winning streak to catapult over 500, and they won 101 games. They ran down the Mets from 10 and a half back, and the Mets didn't even play bad. The Mets played at like a 95-win pace when they were getting outplayed by the Braves by 10 and a half games. Uh, I, the reason I say maybe is because I know a lot of people thought it would be a three-team race at least in the East, but the Phillies getting off to such a bad start when Bryce Harper was already going to be out at least two months, maybe more. Reese Hoskins tears his ACL. Ranger Suarez is on the injured list to start. It's going to take them a little bit to get going, and they're going to need a second-half surge, which they'll probably do, but they're not good enough to make up that kind of ground like the Braves did last year. And then on the Mets, we've already seen the Verlander injury. We know how old Scherzer is. Scherzer's a great shooter. I just saw another interview right now where he talked about how the pitch clock was going to be tougher once it got hotter on older pitchers. It's like, He's telling every like he's trying to tell us that he's not that confident he's going to have a huge year. So we got to listen to him. And if mm. you know Scherzer and Verlander are not locked in all year, how great are the Mets really? So I, I think it's entirely possible, especially with the Braves spotting themselves this kind of lead when Freed was hurt, when Wright started the season on the IL, when Michael Harris went down, when they're trying to scramble and figure out defensively how to cover for Dancy Swanson being gone for agency. They've already faced adversity, and they're 13-4. and four. Yeah, And Glacius is still out, too. So, the guy's supposed to get the yeah, last yeah, three outs. Yeah, they didn't even have their closing. I think has been closing, in, closing for them so well, I didn't even think about that. So, you're right, yeah. That just gets that much more deep in the bullpen then because you can knock everybody else back a spot. Tampa Bay, they had the three, 13-0 and zero start, mostly against bad competition. How much do we uh, believe in the Rays? In the Jeffrey Springs likely long-term injury, does that alter that your opinion of the Rays? That really hurts. Um, Glasnow should be coming back maybe late May. Maybe he can pick up the slack there. But they were kind of planning on both of them being in the rotation. And it sounds like Springs is going to be a long, long time. Um I thought they were probably on the periphery of a playoff team heading into the season. So if you spot yourself 13-0, and I think that changes, and I say you're definitely a playoff team. But they haven't looked that good in the last four games. You know, they've lost three or four, including getting knocked around by the Reds of all teams last night. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, the rotation depth is being tested right now. 
since springs went down. And I, I think that we need to be clear about the context behind the, the winning streak and that you definitely do need to point out the context that the Tigers, Nationals, and A's may very well be the three worst teams in baseball. Maybe they're three of the worst five if we're in a loop in the Rockies and Royals. And they beat up on them, and they were 9-0. and You know, most great teams go into a nine-game stretch against those teams, and 7-2 would be a great success. So 9-0 and is huge. They four games swept the Red Sox, who are 8-5 and when they don't play the Rays. So we do have to give some credit on that. But... It was a really, really weak schedule. We can tell the truth and say it was really a weak schedule. Even if we want to give a lot of credit, say it's really hard to go 13-0, it was weak. And then they lose 2-3 or to the Jays, and they go out last night and lose to the Reds. So some evening out is already happening. I think it's a really good team, but not as good as they looked when they were 13-0. I know it's less than three weeks in, but are there some teams already that have been more difficult for you to rank than others at this early stage of the season? Uh, a who good who are they? <laughs> uh, well, some of those teams in the middle, like Padres and Dodgers, who you think the personnel is better than they're playing. Um, the Mets, at least, for a little bit now, they've gotten hot and woken up. Uh, Cardinals, where the expectations were, they're a lot better, but they're 7-10, and 10, and they're getting beat by not very good teams. So it, it's harder to do that and then like, kind of weigh it against, say, the Marlins, for example, who are 9-8. and eight. Are they really that good? Well, they look pretty good, but it's only 17 games. And then you compare that to the Phillies. Well, I still think the Phillies are going to be better, but they're not right now. So how do I line that up in the rankings? So that's difficult. And then, you know, the easy and obvious one, before the win last night, I think they might be turning the corner now, but the Astros, 7-9. and nine, mm-hmm. I believe I put them 10th. I don't want to drop them much further. But, you know, 7-9, and nine, and they haven't looked that good. So it's, it's difficult to, to figure out how to do it with teams like that. What's with all the strikeouts for the Astros? I mean, they've been one of the toughest teams in baseball to strike out over the years, yeah. and then they've had some incredibly high strikeout games at the plate this year. That that has me most confused, I think. Some of it's probably small sample fluky. Some of it is they'll get better once Brantley and Altuve come back, and it'll, they'll be yeah. kind of a more well-rounded lineup. Maybe get some guys moved down in the order like Pena, might have played a little over his head last year. Maybe get him back toward the back of the lineup and, and see if you can wake him up. But here's the thing. I know that Dusty Baker has been bludgeoned to death over the years, figuratively speaking, for for management decisions. He's been the whipping boy for people for some reason. Uh, that would be me, by the way. Over, I'm, I'm, yeah, he, I'm part he, of he that. He never got over the hump, <laughs> but he did get over the yeah. hump last year. Yep. He is so good at in-game manage, or in-season managing his players and his yep. team. I trust that he's going to be find a way to get his guys going and get them out of their collective funk. And like I said, maybe it started to happen last night. Yeah, I've never criticized him for regular season managing. I just kind of wondered yeah, what the hell was going on in the postseason. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. The oft injured Jacob Degrom and the recently durable Corbin Burns also uh, left uh, last night because of injury. They both left because of injuries. I heard some talk last night and also some this morning about the pitch clock maybe contributing to pitcher injuries. Oh, give me a break. Is it too? Is it too okay? I'm going to just answer my question. Is it too soon to blame the uh, the pitch clock on that? Absolutely. We always see a lot of pitcher injuries for it, early in the season, and the Cubs always hurt. Give me a break with that. Uh, I, I, 
I, I would need a full season of that, and then I would need it to be a drastic uptick, and I would need it to be max effort guys who used to work slow, and then they had to adjust their game and, and, and work fast. But, for example, why, why didn't Mark Burley suffer injuries throughout his entire career? Because he took about two <laughs> seconds from the time he caught the ball and, and threw it to home plate. And he was one of the most durable history, uh, pitchers in the history of Major League Baseball. So, mm-hmm. I no, I, I don't buy that for a second. I will say, now that you mentioned Burns, uh, Brewers off to a great start, 12-5. and five. But Woodruff is out for a long time, maybe well past yep. the All-Star break. If we find out Burns is out for a while, Cardinals are scuffling. Two things there. Number one, kind of leaves it opening for the Cardinals if they rebound so that this bad start doesn't hurt them as much. Also kind of leaves the door open for the Cubs if they keep playing right. well. So the Central is something to watch. Okay, one last thing here. The new rules, and I blurted out on Monday during the show that I thought the shift changes to me have been the biggest change. Should I have kept my mouth shut on that, or what do you think about the rules changes? No. Well, I think it's. Well, I think the pitch clock's the biggest because the games just seem so much quicker, and they are so much faster, and it's a real joy to not have to stay up until 2 in the morning my time. Now it's only like 12.30 <laughs> or maybe 1, so that's great. Uh, but I will say... Aesthetically speaking, it's really nice to see a left-hander be able to hit a hard ground ball through the right side and not have a guy standing in the middle of right field. Or, for example, a line drive up the middle and somebody's not playing like Rover standing on top of second base. Now, they can shade up the middle, but that leaves holes open elsewhere. And a lot of times, if it is a play that the defender makes, he had to range a long way to get it and then has to make a diving Mm -hmm. stop. And then, so it's not just the offense. It brings back seeing great defensive plays in the infield as well. I think it's been awesome. I totally agree with that. So I'm glad I didn't just blurt that out and felt foolish afterwards. All right, Matt, always a pleasure talking to you. We'll look forward to doing it throughout the season. Thanks. All right, take care. Matt Schneider, CBSSports.com. And uh, I got asked about that yesterday. And uh, that was my immediate. I watch games every day here for seemingly, you know, 12 hours a day. And, you know, to me, the shifting is just the biggest difference. I've gotten you, I got used to the rules changes during spring training. Uh, so maybe I just am now a little ahead of the game on that part. But uh, the fact that, you know, Kyle Schwarber can pull the ball to right field, I'm going to keep using this example. And it's not an automatic out to the second baseman standing 50 feet into right field. Uh, To me, that is the biggest change so far in Major League Baseball this year. All right, next segment, phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. We went along with Matt in this segment, but he was great, and uh, so was I. Uh, So why stop greatness? Uh, Next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also today's local roundup. Top by some things that the Suns must do, must do better tonight. You know, it's a short segment, and I say that uh, you know, it's not gonna, I'm not going to do everything. The Suns must do better must do better tonight, which would be like everything. And uh, time pending will get to some Diamondbacks observations from Monday night's win at St. Louis. Your list of the sports zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. 
Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time, 602-260-1060. Get to your phone calls in just a couple of seconds, but first I want to get into the Suns a little bit for tonight. Still 7.5-point favorites. They were 7.5-point favorites when they lost game one against the Clippers. Uh, there are Here are three things. I've narrowed it down to three. Three things that they need to do better tonight and what to, maybe to look for. Number one, the Suns need to match the Clippers' effort, something they seldom did, if at all, in game one. Also, number two, Monty Williams cannot have Josh Landale, Josh Ikogi, and Ish Wainwright on the floor simultaneously. When that happened in Game 1, the Suns, who actually were on the brink of blowing the game open, lost all their momentum and allowed the Clippers to tie the game by the end of the third quarter. And then number three on my list here, the Suns uh, need to execute better out-of-timeouts. Uh, that's something that was, they were inept at that in Game 1. And this was especially surprising because the Monty Williams-led Suns for really the last four seasons, they have excelled in coming out of timeouts and getting good shots uh, throughout the uh, Williams tenure here, especially since Chris Paul was the point guard. One of their quick thing, a personnel news campaign with the lower back soreness. He was called questionable by the Suns on Monday. I'm not sure if there's been an update today. I haven't seen anything uh, this morning, but uh, he... Definitely would help a little bit, probably. I mean, I've mentioned this for years regarding campaign. If he's not scoring points, you kind of need to get him off the floor because he's not going to defend anybody, and he's not a great passer. But if he's, he he does provide offense, if he's if he's putting the ball in the hole, he definitely has uh, some more than use. He's a good player at that point. All right, after the KDUS hotline, we go 602-260-1060. We just got done with Matt Schneider. Uh, from CBSSports.com in the last segment. One of my favorite guys to talk to. And here's Matt in Phoenix, another one of my favorite guys to talk to. It's the Matt Show. I appreciate that, Bob. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, right. I continue to be unimpressed with the St. Louis Cardinals. I tried to find a way to They're a fade mess. them this year. Yeah. Um, is John Mazziliak in any trouble? I don't think he is. I think that there's a, there's certainly questions about Marmol, okay. um, you know, who he hired or promoted, really, right? Correct. Uh, uh, they love. So, or he loves. I think, yeah, he does. Uh, I think there, and he also, I want to say that he's a puppet, but I think there's, you know, he does okay. what he's kind of told. Okay. And yeah, Mike Schilt was the manager of the year, and he didn't do what he was told, and he got fired. Uh, so we'll see, but yeah, I wonder also, and I'm not the only person that's wondered this, you know, I've heard other baseball people mention this, I guess, guys, I consider myself a baseball people here. Uh, but you know, the way that he handled the Tyler O'Neill situation, you know, there's some thought out there that, you know, did he lose the clubhouse one week into the season? Yeah. Uh, cause that was just a stupid public proclamation for him that didn't need to be done. And not only was it a big deal in St. Louis, in St. Leon, St. Louis baseball, you know, no, no offense to the Blues, but it's basically the only game in town, and they have Without tremendous question. fans, and a following is unbelievable. And you know, that was not only a topic for one day; that was a topic for like a week. And it didn't have to be just shut up and talk to him privately. Yeah, I, that was handled quite in an interesting manner. Um, one oh, of the things that I. Yeah. 
notice about them is I remember, you know, what was it, 10, 15 years ago, you know, in the pool hole stays, they would call guys up from the minors, pitchers specifically, who would come up and just be great. And they would find a way to make it work. And I can't remember the last time that they've had a young starting pitcher, even a reliever, who's come up and made an impact uh, on a season when they've been struggling or late in the year with a playoff push. And I think that's one of the things maybe fundamentally there that that has changed in, in terms of their player development. Totally agree. I mean, their player development was amongst the best in baseball. Absolutely. Yeah, I think their I think their position player development is still pretty good. That. Obviously, yeah. And yeah, no one, no one, Right. Exactly. Nolan Gorman, who's from here, of course. I mean, he leads yep. the Cardinals in home runs and runs batted in. He's off to a nice start to the season. And Walker uh, looks like he can be a star. He does. Uh, and yeah, I'm actually. You really, you know, he had a horrible first game or so in right field uh, this year, but uh, I've made it. I've seen him make some plays at right field since then. So, yeah, he he's gotten better. So, once again, yeah, I think they've done a, you know, once again, the player development uh, as far as position players, I don't think has dropped off really at all. Uh, but uh, pitching wise, and they need pitchers desperately right yes, now. In this, you know, Wainwright, Wainwright keeps getting pushed back. He was actually supposed to pitch in this series against the Diamondbacks, and he's not. Uh, they, you know, last I heard before yesterday's game, you know, they had moved back to his rehab stint in another couple of days in the minor leagues. So, you know, it, it, good for Adam Wainwright, but bad for the Cardinals when you need a 40 year old pitcher to be your ace. Without question. Um, do you think the shift, and I know you talked about it um, in terms of the biggest impact, do you think it's kind of put who is a really, really good defender and who is uh, a product of of shifting and, and movement with infielders and outfielders under the microscope? And, and I ask because, and I know this is maybe a poor example, but obviously I watched the Mets. And, uh, Francisco Lindor is, is tremendous. Uh, I mean, he makes every play he makes really difficult plays look very easy and and i think that's kind of magnified here with the with the changes that have been made and the way you can't play guys on the infield what are your thoughts there completely agree and i totally agree with matt's assessment too that you know the athleticism uh from infielders is just incredibly increased here and yeah, I remember Lindor the first time I knew about him. I saw him play in a spring training game, uh, and he was with obviously with Cleveland. And uh, I just couldn't believe he made like two or three defensive plays that you know I'm still talking about. That's ten years ago, or not yeah. quite, maybe not quite ten years ago, but many years ago. And uh, that was my first impression of him. As my God, okay. this dude is making plays all over the field here. And uh, I think that definitely helps. And that's the Diamondbacks. I'm not sure if they were just kind of lucky or ahead of the time or both. But you know the way that their team <laughs> is structured yep. with well, all these guys on defense that make the cover in offense, the infield and outfield. Yeah, I know everybody's making a, you know they're making a big deal, and I understand about the no fly zone and the defense and the outfield and so forth. But the, they cover they they cover ground in the yep. infield too, and. Now, I would. Uh, I'm sure somebody actually has this charted somewhere, but I would imagine that they, their team, you know, infielders and outfielders, cover more ground than anybody in baseball. I can't imagine anybody's better. Couldn't agree more. I'm just shocked the Mets this 
far into the season, and I use that term loosely, uh, fewest errors in Major League Baseball. Um, kind of stunning I to me. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, that's going to yeah. change with Beatty at third base, right? I heard he's a butcher at third base. So uh, I think he's slightly below average. I think he's better than he gets credit for. Um, not, yeah. not that Escobar was the greatest defensive third baseman either. So if Beatty hits, um, that might you know, yeah. manage to work for the Mets. Um, Brandon Nimmo's turned himself into a really good center fielder too. That's another big thing that the that the Mets have made improvement wise is um, he used to be an okay left fielder and he's turned himself into a pretty good center fielder. Um, I think that's okay. made an impact here. Um, and the Blue Jays, that's another team who drastically yeah. better defensively in the outfield, especially with Kiermaier and Varsho out there and moving straight well, to but, a corner. However, there's less ground to cover in the outfield that's there true. now. And the ball so, flies there too now, even more right, than and, it did and before. I, their their infield defense still sucks. So yeah, it's that not really good. hurt. Hit the ball the third. Yeah, that really hurt Manoa on Sunday, for instance. I know he gave What's up a billion him, runs. Well, in that game, I didn't want. I haven't watched that much of him, but in that game, if they just made a couple of routine plays, the okay. whole picture of things would have been much different. But he got hit hard, though. He did get hit hard. And All I, right, good I, stuff, Matt. I appreciate it, Bob. Take I, care. Have a good one. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Real fast, the Diamondbacks, Joe Mantiply has returned to the team. I'm guessing he's going to be activated soon. Uh, this Jose Ruiz guy, sorry, I know they picked him off of you know, you know the scrap heap. He got DFA'd by the White Sox. He's not good. Uh, he gave up two more runs on Monday night. He gave up a two-run homer to Burleson. Uh, I would assume it'd be you know once Mantiply is activated, and if he's with the team, I'm guessing he's going to be activated pretty quickly. Demoting Ruiz would be the obvious move here. Uh, meanwhile, the Diamondbacks today, it's Drew Jameson. And if you missed it last week, I think of all the young pitchers we've seen for the Diamondbacks the last couple of years, he has the best chance to be really good. Four shutout innings last week, and we saw some last week and uh, last year we saw some stuff. He pitches today. And I think the Diamondbacks need to win tonight because they're probably not going to win on Wednesday because Madison Bumgarner is going to pitch that game. That's something that uh, Tori Lovello confirmed on Tuesday that Bumgarner will pitch tomorrow as uh, originally scheduled against the Cardinals to end the road trip and to end this series. All right, we'll come back and wrap things up. It's going to be the fastest segment of all time, at least since probably last Tuesday when I said it's going to be the fastest segment of all time. Uh, as we wrap up the one-hour Sports Zone extravaganza with the National Roundup, uh, we'll get to uh, some NBA from last night, some NBA for tonight, and then probably not much else. We're trying to maybe get a little baseball in. There are some basketball injuries that I want to try to at least mention that have to do with the postseason, including a game tonight. Uh, I'll get this in right now. In fact, the Knicks tonight might be without Jason Hart. Uh, he has a sprained ankle. He was injured near the right at the very end of that game against the Cavaliers in uh, game number one. He is uh, heart considered doubtful for tonight's game against the Cavaliers. All right, we'll come back and wrap it up. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. Okay, I mentioned lightning fast segment. Here we go. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else sip through the cracks. Also, our guest today, 
around Major League Baseball with Matt Schneider from MLB.com. Check out Matt's power rankings every Monday at CBSSports.com. Sound of the day courtesy of Bally Sports Arizona, TNT, Fox, CBS, ESPN, and also 104.3, the Rangers flagship station in uh, Arlington, Fort Worth, the Metroplex, as they call it. Uh, special thanks, as always, to Kayla and Corey and Aaron. Quickly, from the scoreboard last night, the Kings up 2-0 against the Warriors. The Warriors uh, have played in 27 consecutive playoff postseasons with at least one road victory. And for now, the organization is 0-2. and uh, they, they Actually, they started 0-2, and the organization, in a playoff series for the first time since 2007. Sixers go up 2-0 against the Nets. And uh, the Philly, Philadelphia is 6-0 this season against the Nets. Last night, the uh, Nets scored a season-low 84 points in the uh, 96-84 loss in Game 2 of that series. Cam Johnson did score 28 points. Former son Cam Johnson had 18 of those in the first half. So tonight, the Suns uh, now up to an 8-point favorite. There's some 8.5s. In fact, there are a lot of 8.5s around there. But the consensus... Uh, is still eight worldwide. There's plenty of eight and a halfs in the state of Nevada, at least. So that's tonight, game two. Uh, we'll have plenty on that, obviously. Analysis, full analysis on that game tomorrow. Also tonight, Boston, a 10-point favorite against Atlanta. And Cleveland, a six-point favorite against the Knicks. Uh, we mentioned some injury updates. Uh, Giannis, uh, the MRI and the X-rays came back clean. We expect him to try to play tomorrow night. Also, uh, the NBA Finals odds have changed now. Boston is a plus 280 favorite. Milwaukee's minus, is a plus 320. Not so good news in Memphis. Considerable doubt whether John Morant will be able to play Wednesday night in Game 2. Uh, the Grizzlies' Darren Jackson was named uh, the NBA Defensive Player of the Year on Monday. And as I mentioned earlier, Jason Hart for the Knicks. Sprained ankle considered doubtful for that game tonight against the Cavaliers. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. We'll be back three hours of full programming, local programming tomorrow, the Sports Zone from 9 to 10, and the Extra Point hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.